You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, December 22nd, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our in-season Sunday morning podcast. I know this date well. It is my eldest child's 18th birthday, so this is one I remember, unlike my anniversaries. Bill, how goes it this fine, crisp <laughs> winter morning? Goes well, and a happy birthday to the young Rubin. Um I know he's having a, an excellent basketball season, and uh hope he has a great birthday. I gush over him plenty here, and I never talk about him as much as I want, which would be all the time, but he did get honored last night for going over a 1,000 points in hoops, so very proud of my eldest. Let's get to another group of hoopsters I'm proud of, and you know it's big when we're starting with the basketball team. Bill, Ohio State defeats Kentucky in hoops, 71-65 in Las Vegas. DJ Carton, freshman phenom, 15-5 and off the bench, only missed one shot. Ohio State is now 11-1 and with wins over Villanova, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Is that good? <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, you know, I, before the season started, actually last spring, I was uh, a friend of mine, a big Michigan person. We were talking about uh, Ohio State's rise in basketball and their recruiting rise, and the conversation turned to one DJ Carton, and the person was saying how, you know, they even beat Michigan recruiting-wise for a guy Michigan really, really wanted, that being DJ Carton. And uh, we we can all see why both teams wanted him. I mean, that kid's special. Um, the things he does, you know, uh, as a point guard, and, and he's only going to get better. And I, the, the good thing is is that he's not in that, I don't think, one-and-done range type thing. So I think it's going to have him for a couple seasons. And, you know, that that's <laughs> – the way I say basketball is going this year, as I was talking with someone last night, there's no one team that you say, Ohio State can't beat that team. So they are legitimate contenders to win it all in both football and basketball this year. And what a, what a time, what a time to be an Ohio State fan. I completely agree with you. That's where I was going with that and the fact that they are a legitimate, legitimate contender for the title. I think you could make the argument they're the favorite now just based on track record. And you're right. I don't think there's another juggernaut team out there that they should fear. Sometimes there's that team waiting out there with, loaded with lottery picks. just doesn't exist. And I'll say this. When Chris Holman was hired, I really wanted them to hire Archie Miller. I think he's a fantastic coach. I'll say now I was wrong. Chris Holman is better than I expected. So tell me this, Bill. Who's a better coach, Chris Holman or Ryan Day? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to have to go uh, – well, experience-wise, I guess you would say Chris Holtman, but, I, you know, what Ryan Day has done this year, 
um, you know, the, the regular season is over for the Buckeyes in football. It's just been spectacular. So I, I'm going to have to go with Ryan Day, um, you know, first year head coach to do what he's done. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I could say enough. Uh, you know, I, I, I did, I've said this before, I did say that I thought Ohio State would run the table during the regular season and at the Big Ten championship game and, and, and go undefeated. But, Never did I think in such a dominant fashion. I mean, it's it's just been incredible uh, how dominant they've been this year. Um, had they not have a, had a couple turnovers against Penn State, it would have been complete dominance every single game, um, save for the first half against Wisconsin. So, um, and that dominance really is, in Ryan Day's case, is extended now to recruiting. You know, National Signing Day on Wednesday, you know, landing C.J. Stroud at the end, I, I just cannot say how big that was for the high State program to, to get two quarterbacks in the same class of that caliber, being C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller. You know, that, that was just a coup that Ryan Day pulled off and Mike Yurcich, the quarterback's coach. I think they're trendsetters at the quarterback position. I wouldn't be surprised in the transfer portal era if that becomes a serious emphasis going forward. Speaking of signing day, Bill, let's lay out what goes on now. Who are they going to go after to finish off the 2020 class? And as we're getting ready now to flip to the 2021 cycle mentally, give me the three names in 2021 everyone absolutely has to know. Well, for for 2020, um, yeah, I think you need to. Everyone needs to look at really three positions. Obviously, running back is one of them. Um, they've got Jameer Gibbs coming in for an official visit the weekend of January 17th. Um, the goal had been all along two running backs, a all-purpose back, and they've got one in Mayan Williams, and I'm I'm sorry, an every down back, and they have one in Mayan Williams, and then an all-purpose back, um, Jameer Gibbs is more than an all-purpose back. He's been spectacular. He's had a uh, tremendous senior season. Um, so he's more than an all-purpose back. He can be an every-down type guy. So they've got him coming in. The running back is one slot to look at. They wanted three cornerbacks. They have two. So cornerback is the other slot. And they wanted another defensive lineman. Xavier Carlton signed with Utah on Wednesday. So defensive line would be the other spot. So, you know, those are the three positions to look at moving forward with the main name right now that surfaced is, of course, Gibbs. But there's going to be some other names surfaced. I'm very confident, even if they have to wait for the transfer portal. And again, those are the three positions to look at. As far as the 2021 class, Several names. One of them, of course, is Donovan Jackson, who's going to announce on January 8th. And um, uh, I'm going to have something about that in my column coming up that uh, uh, I fully expect him to go for Ohio State, and that would be an absolutely huge get for the Buckeyes. So uh certainly is one of them. Uh, staying on the offensive line um, track, another one to – no, certainly is J.C. Latham, the uh, offensive tackle out of Bradenton IMG, another guy that I really like Ohio State's chances to eventually land him, and, and he is an outstanding offensive tackle. So those two certainly. And then if somehow, you know, 
even with the wide receivers that they've got this year, uh, a guy like Amika Abuka from the state of Washington, you know, he's the country's number one wide receiver for the class of 2021. Very, very interested in Ohio State. Wouldn't it be something for Ohio State, Brian Hartline, to get the number one wide receiver for a second year in a row after they got Garrett Wilson before that? So th- th- those would be three names that I would say that Buckeye fans should know. It's early Christmas at the Curlick household, so we're going to let Bill go open a ton of presents. Bill, have an awesome Sunday. Thanks, Dan, and uh, the same to you. Have a great Christmas and holiday season. We'll be right back with the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back with the People's Champ, Matt Baxendell. He is, of course, on the road, helping his son pursue an NHL career. He is up in Buffalo. Bax, it's freezing cold there. You know, the first day was freezing cold up here in Buffalo, but somehow magically it's gotten to the warm, warm temperature of 36 degrees. There are American towns that have reputations for not being very attractive, and then you go there and they're actually not bad. Buffalo, not one of them. Actually, quite bad. So Niagara Falls is quite great. That's the, that was the redeeming part of the uh, the aesthetics of this trip, that's for sure. Good three hours to uh, make a weekend. Here's a good weekend, Vegas, baby. Ohio State's basketball team, we are starting with them because they're so good. Went to Las Vegas, beat Kentucky. We talked to the dean about it for a little bit. Is it possible the basketball team is better than the football team? I don't know about better, but they're certainly in the same elite class. This is their third win over a top-ten team. It's not even January yet, and that doesn't even include when they scrimmaged Louisville before the season to beat them. Louisville's ranked third right now. Uh, in a year where, like, the number one seed seems to just keep wanting to lose, it happened to Kansas yesterday again, you have to assume OSU is going to get at least a weak run at number one after the way they keep beating all these top teams. Uh, I, I think it's very clear this OSU team is directly in line for a uh, a deep tournament run unless they run into one of those hot shooting accidents that happen sometimes to even the best teams. But this basketball team is clearly a top-five team in America. A drunk Hal Party was saying that after the game yesterday. He goes, that, that's a one, two, three kind of team right there. And I can't argue with him. uh, What Chris Holtman has done going into his third season here at OSU is nothing short of spectacular. I mean, this Buckeye team has a ton of depth. Uh, Even in that game yesterday against Kentucky, they missed a lot of shots early. It felt like that they were playing good defense and they just, they couldn't get the three ball to go down. And they still beat the Wildcats. That's a top 10 team. So uh, right now you, you, you can legitimately make the argument that Ohio State could do something that hasn't been done since Florida did it at our expense. 12 years ago. It's win the title in both basketball and football. This Hoops team is legit, and it's going to be a lot of fun no matter how football season ends, watching them for the rest of the year. I actually think the two best players on the team long-term are the freshmen, DJ Carton and EJ Liddell. So sometimes a team with great youngsters can be an issue because they kind of butt up against the veterans, but this team seems to have great chemistry and has a lot to look forward to. And the fact that Holtman cannot just coach, but he can recruit 
we all know what that combination turns into. It turns into the Ohio State football team. Backs. If there's anybody who doesn't like the disrespect we're getting nationally, it's you. Although the great Urban Meyer picked Ohio State to win the college football playoff semifinal against Clemson. Most pundits feel Clemson will win. They are a two-point favorite in Las Vegas. Your vibe on the fact that Ohio State has kind of become the national second-place team here. Yeah, it feels like everybody's response to Ohio State is, well, you know that Clemson-OSU game might be the two best teams in the country, but Clemson's going to win. To the point where it's like, you know, why are we even going to Arizona if the pundits are right? Uh, CBS had their expert profile game, and they, they showed the expert picks, and I put this in last week's bucket. Every single one of them picked Clemson. I'm sorry, did Ohio State not just go 13-0? and Were they not the first team to go 9-0 and in a, a major conference schedule and finish undefeated ever? Did they not win their games by an average of 35 points? Did I miss something here? Like, not one person thinks Ohio State's going to win because Clemson went out and dummied a bunch of bad ACC teams? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And Davos, when he's had all kinds of TV for his fake outrage, oh, poor little old Clemson. Shut up about this little old Clemson BS. Clemson's in their fifth straight playoff. They've won two of the last four national titles. They're not little old anything. They're the big superpower right now. And candidly, uh, to me, this feels kind of the way it did before the Ohio State-Alabama game, uh, where everybody goes, yeah, yeah, Bama's going to beat them. Good for you getting in OSU, right? Uh, And guess what? Ohio State won that game, too. So uh, to me, it's just, I'm flabbergasted at the utter disrespect Ohio State's had right now. You can guarantee between the old college football award ceremony from a week and a half ago where Chris Fowler didn't even mention OSU as DBU and all these other idiotic ways that OSU didn't wasn't respected beyond Chase Young with awards. I think Ohio State's going to have a real fire in their pit going for this game. Uh, I would not be surprised whatsoever if they had a significant motivational edge over Clemson in this game. And as we've talked about in the past with bowl games with these longer layoffs, the team that has the more fire to be there, the team that's ready to rock and roll early, often is the team that ends up winning. You've done a little research from the X and O perspective. I don't want to give away your entire bucket, but where do you see Ohio State possibly having some advantages on the field? So what I did, and if you read the bucket, you'll get the whole breakdown, is I went back and I watched what I believed were the five toughest opponents that Clemson has played this year. And don't ever mention to Clemson fans, by the way, that the ACC is garbage this year and they haven't really played anyone, even though it's true that the ACC is garbage this year and they haven't played anyone. Uh, so I ranked their opponents as the, the top five as uh, Virginia, uh, who finished 9-4, and four, uh, seven and five Texas A and M, seven and five Louisville, six and six North Carolina, and four and eight South Carolina. I thought those would be the most instructive to uh, watch. I know eight and four Wake Forest was on their schedule, but let's face it, it's Wake Forest. I, I don't buy it. Uh, and looking at their schedule, I came to the conclusion that I think Ohio State has five or six opponents who are better than the best team that Clemson has played this year. Uh, so then yet another reason to throw a little disrespect into the bucket for Ohio State. You you beat by double digits, three straight top ten teams that finish the year, and you fall in the rankings? Okay, then. So, looking at this Clemson team, they're obviously really, really good. And if you want to look at the way that their their team is set up and say that, oh, we're going to drill them, I don't see that happening. But what I do see is a couple things that stood out to me. And really, the, the, where it stood out to me most is I think Ohio State could have a big edge in the run game in both sides of the football. Uh, I watched Clemson's offensive line. They don't get a ton of push. They'll, they'll create a little bit of a hole for Travis Etienne, and against these teams that he's played this year, he'll hit that hole and run 90 yards for a touchdown. He's a very north-south kind of runner. But there were multiple instances in a lot of these games where they didn't get any push, 
and Eddie Eden was not able to really do much because he's kind of a one-cut-and-go kind of guy. He's not going to stop, shimmy, turn the other way, create some sort of Curtis Samuel run the other direction. I don't know if they're going to be opening a lot of big holes for him like they have been all year against lesser opponents when you have Ohio State's defensive line on the other side of the ball. I'm really interested to see this this Clemson team that got stopped on the goal line against South Carolina because they couldn't get any push, um, whether or not they're going to be able to open up the running game against Ohio State or not. That's one of the things that really caught my eye. The other thing that caught my eye here is is that their defense, on the front seven at least, is very reminiscent to me of Penn State. Really good defensive line that doesn't have a true, like, super-duper star on it. In fact, I think Penn State's D-line is slightly better because I think Yuter Gross-Matos is probably the best player on the D-line for either team this year. And I'm sure Clemson fans will throw a fit about that, but it's the truth. And then the linebacking cores are very similar. They're built around a superstar middle linebacker in Parsons and Simmons. And guess what Ohio State did against that elite top 10 Penn State defense? The first drive, they had 91 yards rushing, and they scored a touchdown. Uh, that Penn State defense, if it hadn't been for some fumbles by Ohio State, that Penn State defense would have been on the receiving end of a gigantic beatdown. They gave up 229 rush yards to Ohio State in that game. So I think J.K. Dobbins has a real opportunity to get a lot of yardage on the ground in this game. I think Ohio State has an edge, as weird as it sounds to say, in the trenches for the running game. And generally, if you have the edge in the trenches in the running game on both sides of the football, you're in a pretty good spot. So coming out of watching some of that film, it made me think, man, I think Ohio State can run on these guys. And I wonder if that Clemson O-line can really hold up to a really strong Ohio State front seven against the run. Those were a couple of things that really stood out to me. And one other fun fact to toss out there is is that their kicker this year is only 12 for 19. He's beyond 30 yards, very unreliable. So if this comes down to kicks, Ohio State also has the better kicker. And I do think this is going to be a much closer game than we've seen compared to the 2016 game, right? I think you're going to get a game much more in line with the 2013 Orange Bowl where Clemson won 40-35, to and the game turned, like most close games do, on a mistake. Ohio State was up by nine points, getting the ball back on a punt return, and Philly Brown dropped it, and Clemson ended up going on a run that ultimately had them win the game by five points. So this is a tight game, but I think there's some spots Ohio State definitely has a schematic edge. That's a wonderful wrap there. I'll end with this. I think if the Ohio State defensive backs are able to battle successfully with the Clemson wide receivers, Ohio State will win this game possibly handily. We'll have more as we go, people. We hope you enjoyed spending some time with us on a Sunday. Have a good one, Buckleberry. baseball season is in full swing which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every weekday as we recap every player from every game we'll talk waiver wire ads drops players to trade for prospects who could make an impact and everything in between make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found